1: Hey, guys. Welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti, Mike Thornberry with us. Um, Mike, thanks for being here. Last time we talked, we were doing movies. Yep. Now we're going to talk about books, um, books that, uh, that guys need to read, um, and you've got a series of them. I wanted, before we, before we dove into the books specifically, um, I wanted to give kind of a framework for guys. Like um, I, I, I talk to guys a lot about reading, um, and it's, it's to me, it's fascinating how few yeah. of guys actually really read. Um, you know, I, I remember throwing this out one time and said, you know, something like 90 something percent of men will never read a book again from cover to cover after they're done with their formal education. I don't know if that's true or not. I would say in my experience in talking to guys, it's somewhere around nine out of 10 guys don't read books. Um, and so just kind of that framework. But if you could, if you could get a guy to, to read, um, I think one of the, the dangerous things to do is that you, um, you stick in one particular genre, right? You find something that you really like and you read um, only in that category, and yeah. so I try to I try to broaden people's reading when I give recommendations. Um, and a number of years ago, um, I had done this um, <laughs> when we were putting together kind of a, a reading list. Um, I was like, you know what? I, I want to come up with some categories that would be helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Just from a man's perspective. And so I came up with these categories um, to read across. And I try to read a couple books in each of these categories um, every year. Yeah, the first one is marriage and family. Um, and so just as a man, all right, so think about this, right? At any stage, um, I can read about, I want to be a better husband and a better father. Now, if you're already in those categories, that's great to be reading yeah. about. But even before you get there, right, when we did um, The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller, yeah. one of the things we talked about is, boy, this book would be great to read before, before you get married.
2: Man, I would have saved a lot of
1: Exactly, trauma. right, way before you get married. And so that, that idea of you need to be thinking about um, what kind of husband do I want to be? What kind of dad do I want to be? Before you're even in those particular roles. So yeah. what books right, go towards that category is, is, is that. Um, Passion and devotion was kind of my catch-all. Um, biographies, um, may, uh, books of adventure, right? Just kind of to, to stir you on. Um, biblical literacy and discipleship, mm. right? Which was just the idea of um, when I talk to Christian guys and they tell me, well, you know, I read the Bible and I'm like, that's great. Um, That should be the book you're reading. But there are other books that can help you understand more about the Bible, right? Books on what I call biblical literacy. And so um, I put a category together for that. Um, I put one together on spiritual discipleship and maturity, um, just the essence of the Christian walk. Um, What are those things? What do those things look like, right? One of my favorite books in there is The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Mm. Just an incredible book (laughs) in that. Uh, And then the last category was Cultural Awareness. Um, how does the Bible relate to the issues of the of the world around me? Um, how do I understand things like, um, let's say, you know, critical race theory or something, oh, yeah. right? Like, what what are the what what is my understanding of those things? And so, I need to read about those. Um, you know, the, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Dr. Carl Truman, right? Great, great books. Um, I put a catch all thing just got you know so extra thought provoking reads. Um, you know that were just they, they don't fit one of those categories but they're just good books to read and that includes just good literature yes um, so like um, <clears throat> Anna Karenina um, by Tolstoy Is she a tennis player <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the great the great Russian tennis players. The great Russian tennis players. No, it's just um, the great Russian authors, right? Yes. Um, you know, have have some really really good just literature that I think men need to expose themselves to. Um, you know, the Count of Monte Cristo, Don Quixote. Um, you know, Les Mis. I actually read the book, right? Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. Hmm. Um, Nineteen? No, I think that was eleven hundred pages. Nineteen hundred pages, whatever it was, is incredible. Um, just a great, great read, and so those are categories that if you think about that, if you sit down and you say, "Hey, I don't want to just read good books, um, but I want to make sure that my uh, my diet of good books that I'm consuming um, helps me be a better person and, and a well-rounded person." Yeah. So that's, I think, an, an important essence. Now, you've got some books that we want to kind of tear through and, and kind of examine and, uh, and kind of think through as like recommendations for guys to read. Um, where do you Where do you want to start on that list?
2: Well, it's it's interesting that your categories align with the books I picked out. So there's a lot of books that I picked out that would fit nicely into those. Like okay. one I almost brought was Crazy Love, which I think was In Your Passion and Devotion. Yes. Which is a great book for a man to read who's on his, beginning his sanctification Perfect. and understanding yes. how how much... He is loved and the implications of that. Yes. And understanding the impact of that love on his life, what it's going to mean for his decisions on the rest of his life. Yep. So that Francis Chan book is phenomenal. So good.
1: You know what? The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. Yes. Do you, do you have that one? Oh my God, there right is. there. Okay. So <laughs> and this is something I've I've never really thought of until I read The Prodigal God, but it fits in with Crazy Love. Um, the story... Right. We always refer to it as the prodigal son. Mm. The story really is about the prodigal father who loves his son even when he shouldn't. Right. And and prodigal. Right. Prodigy. Something that's extraordinary, something that's out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, and so the the prodigal son isn't actually extraordinary, and he's not really out of the ordinary. No. He's, he's very ordinary. <laughs> we, know, we know many young men who have said, hey, I wish you were dead. I want to go live my own life. And they go off into the world, right? But yet the father uh, remains there, faithful to his son. When his son walks up, right, runs out to greet him. Brings him back into the family, right? And it's just like that's the love, the in a sense, the crazy love, yes, right, of our Father in Heaven who loves us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, right? And that's a beautiful book. You know, so yeah, crazy love by Francis Chan, great, great read. The prodigal um, God by um, Tim Keller. By Incredible read as well, so I'm glad that's on your list.
2: Yeah, and, and I would endorse anything Tim Keller writes more or I, less. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I haven't
1: I haven't read anything that he's written that I have not gone. That is a great read.
2: I've got more of his books than anybody else's.
1: Okay, yeah. So, Probably, uh, C.S. Lewis, maybe. Um, I never
2: adopted the Queen's English well. Really? Yeah, C.S. Lewis, I like in smaller chunks. Uh, Keller writes on the eighth grade level, which I enjoy.
1: He's he's yeah. So, well, you know what? It's it's funny. I'll say this about Keller. Um, <clears throat> he takes some very complicated things and puts them on the lower shelf for you. Yes, he really so, does. So I'll say this. I think you could write or you could read Tim Keller um, as the smartest guy in the world and go, "Woo, that's some good stuff." I think you can also open it up and read it and say, "You know, I'm I don't even have a formal education, and this guy." Puts it right down there where it's simple and easy to understand. You know, you
2: make the point really about well prodigal done. God. I, yep. I remember hearing Michael Ramson talk about telling the story of the prodigal son to you know, a terrorist in the Middle East, a leader of some jihadist organization. Okay. And the gentleman he was talking to was very well read. And, and you can actually hear Michael tell this. It's, it's still on YouTube. And uh, he asked him, do you know about the story of the prodigal son? He's like, no. So he starts to tell him. And uh, before he gets to the end, we're... He tells the father's coming back. He tells him that. This other gentleman gets extremely irate. And for about 15 minutes, Michael Ramson's saying, he's just, he's so mad. He's like, it makes me want to touch the handle of my gun. That is so untrue. That is so simple-minded. That would never happen. And then Ramson goes, well, wait a second. The father is God. That's how he loves us. And he said, this aged man who had been fighting for jihad for his whole life, Got quiet, his tears moistened up, and for a moment, he could tell that he finally got the concept of what God's love was about. Yeah, because
1: here's the thing. That's not the God of Islam. No. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's why a he didn't understand. That's right, it's a very different concept yeah. of God. When God reveals himself right through right the scriptures um it's a very interesting thing that god does to say hey you need to understand who i am yes you need to understand my nature and my character um the, the greatest picture of that is his son jesus who when he comes he says hey i and the father are one you see me you see the father and so you get yeah. a picture of oh let's a, but that picture as jesus is telling the stories about his dad and he uses that story right yeah. at, at, that cuts against most concepts of religion, which are, um, you know, you've got to earn it, mm-hmm. right? It's I'm weighing the good versus the bad, right? And if that, were, if that were your religion, then when that boy comes back who said, hey, I wish you were dead, you would not invite him back in. Yeah. Right? And the cool thing is, is the older brother who stays there and faithfully serves you would be the one that you say, right, he's the one who gets the heart of the father. But Jesus says he doesn't. Yeah, it's real it's, convicting. Oh, we're always oh. the
2: older brother, and we're yeah. always the prodigal. Yeah,
1: amen, amen. That's good. All right, what other books do we have? So uh,
2: I'll I'll go to Tim Keller's other book that you know most of these books I I retell the stories in the books the most yep. or they're most dog-eared. Yep. So one of the most dog-eared books I've got is Tim Keller's Encounters with Jesus, which I have not read. Oh my goodness! So because uh, my
1: because my friend Mike Thornberry has never given it to me.
2: Well, you can keep this one as long as I get it back because <laughs> oh, literally I use the dog ears okay, constantly.
1: Let's, let's talk about. Um, loaning out books. Oh my gosh. Okay. So here's the deal. I've, I've got a rule. Okay. Uh, and that is, I generally don't loan out books. Um, especially if that book is something that's very uh, meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I will buy you a copy of the book, right? Like yeah. if I want to give you a, you know, my copy of the book now with you, I will, I will loan out a book because I know you and I will find you. <laughs> I've got a special set of skills. And <laughs> yeah. I, I will find and, and I'll you. use them on you and I'll use them on you. Right. But I, I'll say this. Um, if somebody gives me a book, um, I go out of my way to make sure that I give the book back. Yeah, It's weird how most people don't. And I've learned this over years that I've just said, you know what? If I really want to keep that particular copy of my book, right, then mm-hmm. I'll, just, I'll just buy you another copy.
2: Well, I got a different approach on that. Okay. Uh, and our mutual friend, Blair Thomas, I use this with him. Uh, I got a book that I enjoyed. And I can't remember if he asked to borrow it or I said, you need to read this either way. okay. But what I did instead, I said, hey, read this write your name on the inside, and make sure you give it to somebody else who will read it. Oh, the, so pa- make the passing the book, on. Yeah, make the book travel. I like that. So that was the – now, I haven't again, done I, it as enough as I should have. I was going to gonna
1: you, say, again, you don't get that book back. So Yeah,
2: <laughs> so. you don't get it back. But yeah. the goal is to drive men reading something they should, yeah. something redemptive. Yeah. So. Very
1: good. I, I like that. I like that. Get a book. And actually, that that other book that you have right here, um, that's it, one of the books that I've, <laughs> I've given out and bought for – I can't even tell you. Dozens and dozens and dozens of people. So tell us what this one is. Yeah,
2: this book travels. It's uh, by Truett Cathy. So if you're not south of the Mason-Dixon, you may not know that name. So that (laughs) name is uh, My Pleasure. The Cathy family, yes. uh, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. You know them by their their service. Amen. Uh, so it's called, it's better to build boys than mend men. Yeah, Say,
1: say it again. Cause it's such, a, it's a long oh, title, but it's a great concept. It,
2: you, you could just reminisce on the cover on this one. It's better to build boys than mend men. And,
1: and what he's saying is <clears throat> eventually, right? If you have a, boy who becomes a man. And that's what this whole show is about (laughs) that, you know, someday you're going to, you're going to get older, right? My concept is not every boy becomes a man. You know, all males don't become men. There's a process that you have to go through. And what Truett Cathy is saying is when those guys get to the age of 30 and 40 and 50, and they haven't learned these particular principles, um, they are damaged. They're damaged goods. And you have to do something with them or to them. And he's like, it's better to spend your time investing in a young boy who will become a good man than to try to take those unfortunate men who are running around out there, just damaging lives and lives around him, and try to fix them. Because it's hard to fix a guy when he's 50 and 60 and 70. And he's been walking in the same path for a long time. He's like, go back to the young guys. And that's true. Kathy had a heart for investing in young men, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful
2: book. I, it's a phenomenal book to and it's, read. And it's super, super short. This is an easy digestible. The, the Keller ones are digestible. This is digestible. Yep. and and Love it, that book. It always reminds me uh, of Kings and Chronicles in the Old Testament. Okay. Every king, as he started his reign, said, <laughs> first thing it followed in the footsteps of his father and didn't obey the commandments yep. or did. Yep. It's and the very the,
1: first thing they say about every king.
2: And, and that was one of the most convicting things. That when I actually read the Bible front to back, here I am reading... Oh, my gosh, how I go will be how my three boys go. Oh, and how I am going so far is probably a product of what my father poured into me. Yes, So it's super convicting. And because, here because, we get- it,
1: because they've seen it. Yes. Right? And, to, and here's the deal. To, to learn something that you haven't seen, mm-hmm. that, that you haven't experienced, that that takes a lot of work to say, hey, here's what I've seen. Here's my norm. Yeah. But I want to do something different. It's like, well, how do, how do you do that? Yeah. Right. You have to you have to in a sense, you have to unlearn what you've seen and then you have to go learn something else. And so, yeah, you've got three boys. I've got three boys. That concept is, is what we've taught them about what a man looks like is our life experience. They've watched us. Right. I mean, Preston for the last 24 years, Barker for the last 22 years. Right. Campbell for the last 17 years. They've watched us live as men, Um, how we treat our wives, what Mm -hmm. we think, what we deem as important. Right where we value them. Right, we've we've instilled that. Now, if we have not done that well, they've got to unlearn that. Yes, and then they've got to learn something different through another man that's training them to say, "No, nope, no, nope, your dad didn't do it right. Here's what you've got to do." Um, and you know, I, I just had um, Nick Bellamy on, um, who you know, at age what do you say? Uh, I mean, it's like 13 or 14. Just started drinking alcohol because you know his parents got divorced and his dad wasn't there to teach him what it means to be a man. So he just learned to cope with life by escaping it. Right? Yes. And for you know, 11 years of his life, basically, he, he just lost yeah. <laughs> until God got a hold of him, and he got sober, and he got saved, and just, you know, has trans- God has transformed his life because he's had to unlearn all those things and relearn an entire different set of things. So I love that book by Troop, Kathy. Yeah, it's a great, good one. Great read.
2: Another easy read. So I'm going to go into, if I had a subcategory for the next two. Okay. These are going to be... Uh, Echoing Proverbs. So these are books of Proverbs. I love that. So I've got two. First one is one I like a lot. And and when I started reading heavily, this was one of the ones that launched me into reading more, was Randy Pausch's The Last Lecture. So the concept of this is Randy Pausch is dying of pancreatic cancer. Do you
1: remember where he's at, um, uh, college? I don't remember. the. Well, he was
2: at MIT for a little bit, and then he was at— But
1: it was the the two-name school. It was like—
2: it wasn't Carnegie Mellon. Maybe it was Maybe Carnegie it was. Mellon. Something like that. Okay. So he, he's a professor there. Professor, phenomenal professor. Yeah, super and at guy. the school, they have a tradition that a tenured professor, when he's retiring officially, he'll give his last lecture. So Randy goes into this. I, I can't give away the book, can I? No, yes, please do. Okay. I, I, I,
1: because um, I, don't, I don't think it gives away the. Right? No. It's, it's not like a book that you're kind of, oh, what's the ending? Um, because the reason that he wrote it, yes. and the reason that he's doing this is so powerful.
2: So, oh, my gosh. So he's dying of cancer. So his last lecture is going to be...
1: And, and, the, and he shows in the slide. Have you ever seen, yes. by the way, the lecture?
2: Yeah, it, this is a beauty. You can read the book and then go watch the recorded yes. last lecture. Yes,
1: and he starts with a slide of his right last you know scan that he had. and of his all brain, his tumors. his brain is just full of tumors. Yeah. Right? And they're, they're like, hey, we can't do anything for you. So he puts together a last lecture. And the lecture itself... Um, I've listened to it probably 10 times, right? Yeah. And I've never made it through it without just <laughs> crying like a yeah, baby. Yeah, you're
2: going you're gonna to test your uh, but, ear duct, or but, eye ducts.
1: Yeah, but, but the book, right, is kind of a synopsis of that. And I thought they did a really great job of capturing yeah. um, what he shared in that particular lecture. So, Yeah, what he what,
2: shared was life lessons. Yeah. And, and he has a great way of delivering the life lessons. You think it's about uh-huh. things everybody should know, but in reality, it's a last love letter to his kids. Exactly. And, and what they need to focus on, so you won 't make it through it, uh, but it 's short it 's well written it 's concise and it 's just echoing all these beautiful things we 've learned out of proverbs and learned out of god 's word in general but it 's the impact of a father has even after he 's gone yeah. so it 's a phenomenal book it 's an easy read and highly recommended it. yeah
1: it 's very similar in in concept. Um, To the Ultimate Gift, Yes, uh, which is a book by Jim Stovall. And in that book, um, uh, Jim makes up a story right, of a grandfather who's going to pass on his millions and millions and millions. And his kids are rotten, but he's got a grandson that he's got to yes. hope in. And so he basically gives the idea to the grandson, hey, listen, um, if you'll pass these particular tests, right, then you can have this money. And, of course, the grandson doesn't want to do it, but, you know, okay. Um, and, you know, the first test, right, that he's got to learn is, you know, the, the gift of work. And so he goes out there and this is a kid who's been spoiled his whole life and he learns how to work, which, which takes me back to another book um, called uh, Captain's Courageous. Mm. Um, and I think it's a, um, I can't remember the guy who wrote it um, anyway, but it, they made a movie about it, which is an old, old movie. Um, but it's the same thing. It's, it's a guy who, it's a, you know, young kid who's on a boat, um, you know, out of the harbor of New York or whatever, falls into the water, gets picked up by um, a fishing boat of like a foreign country right so they don't even speak his language basically um and the fishing boat is going out to fish and so he's kind of like hey when do i get back home to new york um and they're like hey we're gonna be on for months right and so over the process of the several months they teach him what it means to work hard to value others right to be a valued person yourself and when he returns home in both the book and the movie right his parents actually don't recognize him because he's not the same person yeah and it's a, it's a beautiful picture. So Captain's Courageous, great book, great movie, The Ultimate Gift, great book, really good movie as well that they've yeah. done. But they, uh, they, f- they feel like kind of that last yes, lecture by, by Randy Posh, just some great life lessons that you need to learn done in a, a very informative but actually entertaining way. Yes.
2: It, it's a fun book to read. So the next one is similar in that it was a lecture that was turned into a book and it's called Make Your Bed. Oh, yeah. And, and I know this is one of Dan, uh, Dan's Is it McRaven? Favorite. It's William H. McRaven. Yes. The the commander of the Navy SEALs in SOCOM. Which, which by the way, is not the greatest title that he
1: had, because at one point he was, I think he was president at the University of Texas. Yeah. Which is the greatest honor that he could have had. So well, the, I don't know about that. Commander of Navy SEALs, commander of great men going out there doing great things. So was kind one of one thing. step
2: down, in my <laughs> opinion. It, Anyways, it's a phenomenal (laughs) book. He's giving the commencement address or something like the graduation address, and he just hits very simple life lessons. Yes. You know, back to Stovall's book, The Ultimate Gift. Very similar. Hey, these are the things you need to do to be successful. Short, digestible. I I made all my boys read it. I made all my boys read last lecture. So these are things as a young man you should read, and if it doesn't fire you up a little bit to go be active and go... Engage, I, you, you got to go to the doctor because your pulse is low.
1: Yeah, totally agree with that. That is a great read. And again, a short one. I mean, it's probably 90 pages yeah, or something. Yeah, 90, like
2: 90 pages. You'll read this one in a day. No big deal.
1: Amen. Great read. I love that. What else?
2: Okay, I'm going to transition to people now. Okay. So uh, these are books I've read that have challenged me on, okay, in, a, in the United States, or we could just say Western culture, Weird. we are so eye focused. And we think we have it bad when our phone dies. Or, you know, we didn't record everything on the TiVo. Or, you know, we don't have the latest iPhone or whatever it is. So I've read some phenomenal biographies, and these are probably my top three.
1: Ooh, top three biographies. Yeah, we'll start. This is is good. This is a good category. Yeah, there's there's, three biographies.
2: there are so many good ones. So yeah. don't feel offended if yours aren't here. Just know there's great saints to follow and learn from. Amen. So my first one is Corey Ten Boom, The Hiding Place. So good. I, I have retold Incredible her story, story. Oh. over and over and over again. And really, for me, the anchor point of most of the times I'm retelling the story of her hiding Jews during World War II. Right. Their, their family was their hiding Jews. Their whole family. Jews, right. Uh, is her story of forgiveness at the end. Oh,
1: so powerful.
2: You know, she and her sister end up in a internment camp together. Yep. Her sister dies. Yep. And uh, one of the, the greatest lessons I hear out of that from her sister is, hey, we need to pray and thank God for the circumstances we're in. In the internment camp.
1: Okay, the flies. That, yes. Oh, my, that story right yes. there just crushes. We need to thank
2: God for all the fleas and the fly infestation in our Ger- barracks because
1: the Germans won't come in here. The men won't come in, right? Because they're so dirty and it's so awful. And you're thinking about the circumstances, and you're like, "Oh my goodness!" But what it does is it protects them, and they and were able to keep so crazy
2: pages of yes. the Bible yes in the barracks because the the guards and the soldiers wouldn't come in because it was so atrocious yeah. and the conditions were so bad. Now
1: you've heard the story later, yes, when she's out speaking. Yes. Right, so tell tell that because so that, that just knocks my socks.
2: After off. World War II, Corey, you know, traveled a lot and spoke about reconciliation yep. and forgiveness, yep, uh, and the power of God's love and all of this and His provision. So she's in Europe somewhere, right. Germany or France, yep. and she's giving her talk, and it's the end. And typically at the end of these talks, there's a Q and A, and she sees a man coming up the aisle, and she freezes, because yep. it's one of the guards. Him. Yes, and he comes up and says, "Hey, Fräulein, you know, I'm here to ask." for your forgiveness. Oh my goodness. And she recounts that every cell in her body rebels against the idea that this man who's responsible for the death of my sister and the regime of the Nazis are responsible for the death of my family. I don't want to do it. But luckily, through the perseverance of the Holy Spirit, which you can't stop anyways, she forgives him. And this is the beauty of the gospel. We're that German guard walking to Christ, asking for the forgiveness. yes, And... Thankfully. Yeah, you, yeah,
1: you got to put yourself in that circumstance, right? Yes. Because because that's where you were. So because that's where you were, now you can forgive others because you've been forgiven much. The Bait of Satan uh, is a great book. Um, oh, well, I, I can't remember the guy's name now that, uh, that wrote it. But it's it's basically that power um, that if you have not been forgiven much, that you won't forgive much. Yeah. But when you understand the depth of the forgiveness that you've been given, um, then you can forgive others, right? Yeah. And, and not to minimize... Um, you know what other people have done to you. This is not Correct. to minimize the crimes that that German soldier made and did. Um, but, right, Court Ten Boom's in that position of saying, hey, listen, if I'm going to accept the forgiveness of Christ, then yeah. I have to be able to, and be willing to give it. There's another book um, by Edward Welch called um, When People Are Big and God Is Small. Mm. Uh, and it's another powerful concept of that is when we allow what other people have done to us to be the meta-narrative of our life yeah. instead of what God has done for us great book
2: so I'll continue in World War two okay.
1: oh, there's some or great, that time frame great, great stuff that came out of that time period right? it's
2: amazing suffering produces pretty, yep. produces much out hey, of it we could just
1: talk about the Puritans my favorite books are written by the Puritans and it's a lot of because of the suffering that they went mm-hmm. through the John Bunyans of the world the Thomas Watsons right the Thomas Brooks I mean just tremendous amount of suffering, and they wrote about God's provision in the midst of difficult times.
2: Yeah, if you're going to reconcile yourself with God and be a Christian, you have to have a good theology of suffering, yes, which is do. what Connor Bales, in, in his book, Counted Worthy, Con- goes through. Yes. So that, that's we a just plug. A Con-
1: we just threw a Connor Bales. We uh, just plugged it. Just plugged it, yes. He's, so, a now, he's now a sponsor for Training for Man. <laughs> there we go.
2: Tortured for Christ by which Richard Wurmbrand, and, and this is more personal to me because I'm Romanian. So okay. my mom was first-generation Romanian. Both my my grandparents on her side came over, actually came over after World War I, where the Germans ran through the Romanian town. Oh, wow. Uh, but it's a Romanian pastor. As communist, communism is taking over after World War II, right. and the Communist Party and Ceausescu are taking mm. over, God is dead. This is the com- com- communist theology, That's right. is that the state is God, not what you claim as God. So they bring in a convocation, a conference of all the pastors, and here's the state saying, you will not worship God without being under our auspices and control, and we will limit you. And my favorite story I retell over and over again, this is a marriage story. So Richard is sitting here knowing he's got to say something, and his wife looks at him and says, you better stand up. And he turns to his beautiful wife. Who's in this fight with him, you know, a pastor's wife is just as much preaching the gospel as the pastor is. And uh, he says, hey, if I stand up and say something, they will kill me or I'll go to jail.
1: That's right. But if you don't, I'll kill you. And she turns and looks (laughs) at
2: him without stopping a beat. I don't want a coward as a husband. Wipe the spit off the face of Christ. And he stands up and declares his allegiance to Christ oh. and decries what the state is doing and yeah. ends up being tortured and in jail for 12 years Oh wow! for continuing to preach the gospel. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good short read, too. So th- both The Hiding Place and Tortured for Christ are easy. Matter of fact, you can get a free copy of Tortured for Christ. Just Google it on the uh, Internet, and they'll send you a copy. There you go. So there's a whole ministry that's born out of that. So that, that's a great one for me.
1: Hey, free, free books are good.
2: Free books are good. I, I like that. Last personal one, or uh, one about an indiv- individual is seeking Allah, finding Jesus.
1: Such a great book! Oh my goodness, Nabil. So, de- desperately wanted to bring in Nabil um, to speak to our students. Mm-hmm. Um, he ended up getting uh, stomach cancer. Yeah. Uh, and the three times, right, that I asked, it was he, he had been in poor health each time, uh, mm-hmm. and then you know he kind of had a little recovery, and oh, you're, you know. But he eventually um, passed away. I don't, I don't even know if he was like maybe around forty years old. Yeah, he past, was young, very young. Uh, But, yeah, Nabil Qureshi, incredible book. He's got several different books out. So he he wrote a few books before he passed away. Um, But Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus is kind of his personal story.
2: Yeah, it's a phenomenal story of friendship, too. Mm -hmm. He goes to college as a devout Muslim. And his roommate, who is his... uh, Mental, equal, they're both super smart, yep. is a devout Christian. So it's this friendship between two opposing views yeah. and over time yeah. making each reconcile their faith. And Nabil eventually comes to the point where he realizes, I'm, I'm seeking Allah, but the answer is coming back Jesus every time. That's right. And from a cultural standpoint, too, it's a great book to understand what it means for somebody in the Middle East or of Muslim faith or an honor and shame culture. Right, yeah. To leave that yes. and embrace oh, Christ.
1: So difficult. You know,
2: in the U.S., if you want to follow Christ, what is it going to cost you? Yep. In the Middle East, if you're going to embrace Christ, there's a whole implication sure. there. Well, you're, you're dead to your family.
1: You're absolutely right? dead right? to that's, your family. And that's the least. Yeah, that's, that's the, least, the, of that's the least of your problems. I remember a um, good friend... Uh, Afshin Ziafat, who's a pastor here in, mm-hmm. uh, in Frisco, Texas, right? Providence church. Shout out to Afshin, um, UT guy, by the way. Uh, so that's how you know he's really smart. Um, I was trying to redeem it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can try if you want. <laughs> so his, his story, right. is a, a young boy in high school, um, you know, Muslim family growing up in Houston. Um, he gets saved. Right, except Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. He goes to UT. Now, this is no lie. This is his story. This is his testimony. He gets a roommate at the University of Texas who is a Muslim student who had just accepted Christ, who had not told his parents yet oh. that he was a Christian. Afsheen had not told his parents yet that he accepted Christ. Right. So both of them were in a room together going, Holy smokes. Like we 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 believe the same thing, come from the same background, right? Have the same problem in life and that is how do we tell our parents? Um, And when Afshin told his parents, right, his father disowned him, yeah, right, and you know, just I mean, it's a a beautiful story. But he had somebody to go through it with, Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, became a became a pastor. Um, He eventually, right, which is a great story for Afshin. He eventually shared Christ with his family. Um, His mom and dad both accepted Christ before they passed away. Um, So it's a it's a it's a great story. And and Nabil Qureshi, it's a great book. Uh, If you just want to know more about Christianity and Islam, those two particular world religions, it's a great learning book from that particular perspective because he does a great job of of walking through right what are the differences right
2: so I'll put an honorable mention in this category so those are my three you know personal books about people okay I will also put in Laura Hildebrand's or Hillenbrand's Unbroken Louis Zamperini oh wow phenomenal book great great
1: movie they did a great job with that yeah that
2: was actually a well done movie they did uh, I think a couple even you know before and after uh, the second wasn't by Angelese and Jolie because they got more into his conversion. So he was a uh, Olympian who was in World War II, was yep. captured by the Japanese yep. and eventually tortured. And, and that played out trauma in his marriage post that. And mm-hmm. his wife was ready to leave him. And she takes him to a Billy Graham crusade. Oh, wow. Radical conversion to the point where at the end of the story, he's ready to go back. Asia to Japan and meet the torturer yes. and forgive him. Yes, so phenomenal book, phenomenal so story, good. and and that's actually got a movie associated with it that was pretty well done too uh, by the big screen you know movie producers. So yeah. I, I would put that in the honorable mention category. Yeah.
1: So so talking about people, yes, um, John Piper, pastor mm. um, up in uh, Minnesota, um, he he had a, a series one time that he did called "The Swans Are Not Silent," yes, um, and he just wanted his congregation to know about some of the great men and women, some of the great saints of the faith that have gone before and didn't Mm -hmm. feel like that that had really been passed on to the next generation. And so I think there's like six books. Each one of them has three people in it. Um, The series is called the swans are not silent, Um, but it's a beautiful, you know, each one's 150 pages. Each person is 50 pages a piece. Um, So it's a, it's a great series. If you want to know more, there's another one, um, a similar book called 131 Christians. Um, everyone needs to know or something like that. And um, then,
2: and then we can always refer to Eric McTaxas, seven men, seven women, Eric seven McTaxas, more men, seven men, seven so women. So these are short yep. biographies on great men of the faith. His,
1: his not short biography is Bonhoeffer. Um, that's which, graduate level, that's reading. graduate level reading, but a, a better, okay. I, I was, a, I was okay with Bonhoeffer. I love Bonhoeffer's writing. Um, I was okay with, um, Metaxas Bonhoeffer biography. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, though, he did um, called Amazing Grace on the life of William, William Wilberforce, I thought was spectacular. Now, maybe that's because William Wilberforce is kind of like one of my heroes of the faith, right? Yeah. Um, but, but if you haven't ever watched the movie Amazing Grace or read the book Amazing Grace by Metaxas, those are great reads about individuals. Um, just great story. The story of Wilberforce who, um, in, a, in a sense— right, through the power of God and through a lot of other people, right? So when I say single-handedly, right, if Wilberforce were here, he'd be like, anything yeah. but single-handedly. Yeah. Um, but he gets a lot of the credit for being kind of the tip of the spear of the one who's out there um, abolishing slavery and the slave trade, right, in England Yeah. Uh, in the you know early 1800s. Amazing. Speaking of tip of the spear, that's a, a Jim, book about- Jim Elliott yeah, reference. Jim Elliott. And um, who's the other one? Stephen something. Um Saint, I think it's Stephen Saint or whatever. It's the group of men who went down yes. um, right into the Amazon, uh, ended up losing their lives trying to share the gospel, and their wives went back, ended up taking the gospel to that uh, that tribe, right? And a lot of them became Christians. Elizabeth Elliot, we know the name, right, because of that. Uh, but yeah, she was married to Jim Elliot, and that's. And a, there
2: is still an active ministry today to that still, same tribe. Yes. we've got people still going out and ministering the same way. It's Crazy. amazing what. A man committed to the gospel can accomplish when walking in God's will. Amen. That's so, a great read. Good. Yes. I'm going to transition to uh, your biblical literacy okay. section. I like it because you know I, I I know I I do this a lot when I talk about what I've learned from the Bible is I have to unlearn what I know today. So unlearning <laughs> what I know today is reading the Bible through my eyes, not having the Holy Spirit reveal the Bible to me. So yep. Yep. one of those things is understanding the, 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 the cultural times in which the Bible is written so you get the metaphors yeah. and the analogies yeah. and what they're trying to communicate. Totally, totally. super important. So uh, I've got a book by Lois... And that's amazing that I said it relatively well. Walking in the Dust of the Rabbi.
1: Walking in the, oh,
2: one of the best, I mean, she's got a couple, but just a phenomenal book that gives you a context for what it means. So Walking in the Dust of the Rabbi is, you know, in Bible times, you would follow a rabbi. And that would be your purpose to learn and sit with them. And you would follow so closely and be on their every word so much that you would just be trailing behind in their dust, not as if they're spritting, but you would have their dust on you as they're walking because you would live, breathe, and eat what they were teaching. Mm -hmm. So she's got a couple books that are real good. Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes is another one. Both of these books, and this one, Walking in the Dust of the Rabbi, opens up exactly what some of the details mean in Scripture that you might miss because you're reading it 2,000 years from when it was written. Mm. So highly recommend it, any of these books that helps you understand the context of what you're reading. And there's a whole genre around it.
1: What's well, interesting because when you, when you said that, right, one of my wife's favorite books is Sitting at the Feet. Another one. That's her other of book, Rabbi Jesus. Right, that's, and I, I had to look it up because I don't. Yeah. It says Ann Springer and Lois Turvberg. Yep. Right. So that yeah, that's one of my wife's favorite books. Is Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. So now she's got Walking in the Dust of Rabbi Jesus. Yeah. That Oh, good books. Good. Yeah.
2: Very good. Very good books. Yeah.
1: I'm trying to think of. Um, there's a couple other books that kind of bring that um, to mind for me. Um, there's a book called uh, Misreading Scripture through about, Western Eyes. There's that one mm-hmm. right by Randolph Richards. Um, And then what was the other one? Saving the Bible from Ourselves by Glenn Powell.
2: What a great title.
1: Great. Yeah. Um, So um, good, good, good books, good reminders, right, to us Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, when we read scripture, we come to it in a sense with our own biases and we want to learn as much as we can. So sometimes undoing some things so that you can really grasp and and grab onto things that you would not have appreciated before is a great way of doing it. So biblical literacy, good category.
2: So there's plenty there. We we mentioned two of them. Uh, I'm also going to go with one from Vodi Bacham. So uh, he wrote a book called Expository Apologetics, which is reading the Bible from the Bible. Just a great easy read to understand. When I read the word, Mm -hmm. I need to understand the word based on what is said inside the Bible, not through my own eyes and my own interpretation. Yep. Which you know you can see culturally today. This is a problem. We we see. In culture and society, people take the Bible and then justify where their behavior is errant that it's not because this is how they interpret their truth. Instead of the Bible's truth stands on its own. You don't have to come up with a meaning. All you have to do is read the Bible more. The Bible is the most hyperlinked book there ever was. Like you, oh, totally. You'll see this. Yeah. You'll see this in in graphical form. Jordan Peterson does a speech on it. It's uh, referring to some other scholar's work where the Bible has over 63,000 links. That means a reference in Revelation will come back in Genesis. And this happens over 63,000 times, which means you can read the Bible over and over again, and it will continually read you, and you'll learn more and more. But the concept Vodie's getting through here is, hey— you don't interpret the Bible. The Bible interprets you. And if you don't understand the Bible, look back into any of the links and understand what God is saying about the topic, yep. and it will tell you what he means about the topic.
1: Yeah, that's good. I've, I've heard um, that the Bible is both a mirror and a window, mm. right? A mirror first yeah. because it reads you as you're reading it, right? But then a window because in, as you read the Bible— Uh, As you understand scripture, you see the world around you differently. Um, One of my books, my favorite books, um, How to Study the Bible by Watchman Nee, Mm. Um, just a great insight, right from a Chinese Christian man uh, in prison for 20 years. Um, But uh, a a couple, you know, he did Sit, Walk, Stand, which is his understanding of Ephesians. Um, But then uh, The Normal Christian Life. Uh, Watchman Nee basically wrote a book that said, um, if, if you're not suffering for the Lord, then you're probably not walking with the Lord because the two things that, that are opposed to each other are God and this world. Yes. Right. And we live in this world, but if we're walking with God, then there's something about this world that is not now appetizing to us and becomes in a sense, almost offensive to us. Right. And it's not our own, even our own personal sin. Um, it becomes the world in which we live, which is, which is fallen and broken and leading us away from the things of God. And so um, The Normal Christian Life, if, if you want to understand, you mentioned before, right, the theology of suffering. Um, the Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee is a fantastic book. It's one of my top ten books of all time. So I happen to have a quote to
2: support you. No way. From Emil Zapatic. And I don't remember what Emil's role was. Okay. But he's got this great quote about being a man. It's at the borders of pain and suffering that men are separated from the boys. Ooh. So as soon as you mentioned Watchman Nee and this this investigation into his theology of suffering, I thought of that quote.
1: That's so good, so good. Well, Mike, um, man, you brought a bunch of books with you. Yes. Thanks for thanks for bringing them. Thanks for. Here's the deal. I'll say this. Um, thank you for being a reader. Um, as a man who wants to grow in his knowledge and understanding, in his faith. Um, thank you for not resting on, right, the, the Mike Thornberry in his 20s, the Mike Thornberry in his 30s, right? I mean, thank you for for putting in the time to, to grow, right, and to become a different person um, tomorrow than you were today.
2: If I'm going to live out Philippians 1, six, which is Christ is going to continue the good work in me until his return. That's right. How's he going to do that? That's going to require some work on my part. So yeah. this all goes back to something you and I have talked about before, am I teachable. Yes. Can God actually teach me something? Yes, he can. Will Will I actually be teachable to absorb it? So this process of reading is essential. Yes. That's why he gave us a book.
1: Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Mike, thanks for your time. Absolutely.
0: Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.